everyone, and welcome to Minute 70 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a wild trip through the 1987 John Hughes comedy, Plane, Trains, and Automobiles, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to finish off this week is Duncan Shields, poet, Hello. animator. Sorry, I keep, that's <laughs> I, keep, uh, I keep slowing your roll you're, there, sorry. You're, that's just... fine, you're, you're, you're very animated. You're, you want to, you know, you're very poetic and, and animated. How's that? There you go. So anyone who's listened the rest of the week knows who Duncan is. How's that? There you go. (laughs) And Duncan's here. Welcome back to the show, Duncan. Hi there. Glad to be here. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, everyone. Yes. So, Minute 70 begins with the car continuing to back up and ends with Susan turning over in bed. Susan. Okay, Okay, that's her name. Yes. So, uh, yesterday we ended the minute with... Neil basically selling his watch <laughs> for a room for the night and Dell trying to figure out what he's going to do. So the, the clerk played by Martin Ferrero in his final shot in the final scene in the movie basically starts to say to, to Dell. So you want a room also? And then Dell turns to him and says, well, I got a slight problem here. I don't have forty-two fifty. <laughs> so he looks at him and says, "Well, do you have seventeen dollars and a good watch?" <laughs> it was a pause. Do you have seventeen dollars and a good yeah. watch? He's got to make pauses. Yeah. And as this is happening, we see that Neil is backing up the car and just backs it up across the motel lot. You know, does a very nice job uh, parking. And he parks uh, in front of, of the rooms. And we see, as you mentioned earlier this week, a large silver steer head that's mounted on the building. That's right. Yeah. And he's able to... Yeah. Which and he's able to successfully turn off the car. Which... Now, when the car's backing up here, chugging and backfiring, if I'm not mistaken, I think they threw a little fart into the audio mix. It seems like there's a little bit of a, a biological kind of emission sound happening in there. And uh, it, like, cause I remember in the, in the fast and the furious movies, sometimes when the car is peeling out, they'll actually, they, they threw in like a, a dolphin, like a dolphin oh, uh, wow. chirping <laughs> into the, into the peel out sound. And once you, once you hear it, you can't unhear it, but it looked like they might've uh, thrown in a little. I, I did not notice the that, backfire but that's of the okay. car here. <laughs> I'm usually not on the outlook. I'm usually not not maybe on the I, lookout for for bodily functions <laughs> in movies. But hey, for, if, uh, for if flatulence in cars, I, I may I, I, maybe I'm hearing what I want to hear. <laughs> That's definitely a possibility. So Dell then continues his conversation, and he says, "Well, I don't have." You know, the the, the clerk had asked him if he has seventeen dollars in your watch. He says, "No, I don't." But I have, and then he reaches into his pocket and pulls out, and he goes, well, I have $2 and a Casio. And I love the way how he takes his watch off and, like, puts it across his hand the same way that you would see in, like, an infomercial or or something like that. It's just... Yeah, the 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 price price is right drape across his arm here of the Casio is... I, 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 oh man, I hope that's improv. It, it's complete improv. It's beautiful. not in the script. I will, I will give you that information in, 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 uh, in advance. <laughs> yeah, no, that is that's, not there at all. And 
part of the problem here with, that I have with this scene is at the beginning of it. So Dell seems to have lost his touch as a salesman. The entire movie, he's showing how much of a salesman he is. True. You know, he's he's very friendly to everybody. When he was in the other motel with Gus, he was talking with Gus. Yeah. You know, very friendly. He knows him from before, stuff like that. He, he's able to sell True. all of the shower curtain rings as earrings. You know, that all works also. But in this case, he's at a loss of for words, really. That's a really good point. I never, I never noticed that. Like, I know that he needs to not get the room so that the film can progress to its next emotional, you know, beat or whatever. But um, yeah, it's a very strange kind of thing. Yeah. He's not a good salesman when, for the rest of the film, he's been like one of the best. Like, as annoying as he is, as as a as a as a you know as the caricature of a human that he's coming across as the one thing that's not in doubt yeah. is his um, salesman capabilities. And here he is kind of just flailing yeah, not and all. not and making it happen. It's, it, it's a slight problem. The fact that I see that, but what can you do? <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't have everything. Nothing can be perfect here. And this is something that you, you, I don't think you normally would notice. Yeah. I think it's something that that I'm only noticing, you know, because we're doing this minute by minute. I, I now that you pointed out, I see it as a as a as an issue or as something right. that stands out. But it didn't. And, and the clerk gets a little too much enjoyment, so, uh, yeah. you know, by by asking for the seventeen dollars and a good watch because he's basically saying to himself, okay, well, if I can get a good watch, and I only have to pay, what is it, uh, twenty twenty eight dollars for it, twenty seven dollars <laughs> for it, might be worth it. <laughs> well, yeah, and that watch, quite honestly, covers two rooms. Right. Yes. So it's not he could be he could be a good guy about it. You know, he doesn't have to uh, to be a jerk. But I think at this point for the clerk, it's just good TV. Yeah. Like he's he's watching it all through the plexiglass going. Yeah. Oh, man, this is solid gold. Sure. Where did these two come from. <laughs> I was bored out of my mind. This has been a very entertaining couple of minutes. Yeah. Now, did you notice what type of watch uh, he's offering him? Obviously, it's a Casio. Uh, but did you did you notice? It's a, I didn't. It's not a calculator watch, no. is it? No, it's no, in because I, I had to do some research on those for Tron because right. uh, Bruce Boxleitner has a sweet, sweet calculator yeah. watch. No, so this one. is a Casio A one five nine W A dash N one digital watch. I thought so. Yeah, it looked exactly like a W A dash N one. There you go. Model. There you, go. All right. you see, yeah, I know, I know you know about these things, Duncan. So yeah, yeah. And according to the research that I was able to find, this was actually a model that only came out around that time. It came out like in 85, 86, 87, something like that. Even though I, and I, I was surprised to, to read this, that, that Casio started making G-Shocks in 1984. Oh, G-Shocks or Casio. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. I, I, I thought the G-Shocks only came out in the nineties. I wasn't, wasn't aware that they uh, came so, out. So what was it? 80, 80 84 were G-Shocks. This is not a G-Shock. I am also shocked. You're shocked? No, I thought... You're shocked at a G-Shock? <laughs> yeah, G-Shocks to me are quintessentially like 95, yeah. 94, 95. That's what I thought too. Huh. No, I know I know. I had a G-Shock in 93 when I was in the Army, so I know I had a G-Shock. But, right, right. But, uh, and, and I thought it was something, you know, major at the time. You know, I didn't think it was something from before. Yeah. Well, that happens a lot. Yeah. Like people, you know, there's a, a couple of cell phone companies here that are just rebranded versions of the companies that already exist. You know, right. you get these 
they just go through a little rebranding phase and you're like, ha Yeah. You know, I'll show you. I'll buy Coke instead of Pepsi. <laughs> They're both owned by the same company. Oh, dang it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. And then we, we get to see the clerk debating this issue for a few seconds. And then he looks and declines the offer and says, I'm going to have to say goodnight. So I'm going to have to say goodnight. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. No. And he just, he just deal, walks away. Deal or no deal. Exactly. No deal. He just walks away. And we can see that Dell is quite disappointed about this. And then they, they change the music and we, we get a very somber type of music playing. You know. And I love yeah. it. The music in this movie is great. I love it. This this eighties synth wash. Yes. Like people people make people make fun of the eighties, you know, they, they make fun of the eighties sound, they make fun of eighties clothing. And this is something that I that I, I, I have a hard time rolling with because like a lot of the synth tunes that were made uh were very evocative and very emotional and there's something very uh, true about the emotions that they're trying to portray and, and represent the loneliness, the isolation. There's something about the eighties and the, and the, the soundtracks and the music that really, really like when it, when it was good, like I'm not saying the cheesy stuff didn't exist, but I'm saying when they, when they used those mm-hmm. instruments and those uh, electronics to make the sounds when they're trying to evoke, you know, evoke an emotion in movies like, like planes, trains, and automobiles, and a few other ones, like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, too. When like Cameron's lying in bed by yeah. himself, you get that sort of guitar playing, but it's like a slow guitar playing over this like synth wash, and you just really it's so uh, emotionally effective. And yeah, you get the '80s toms, the yeah. you know, you get all these horrible cliches that you can you know rightfully lampoon the 80s about but when they came correct with these new tools was yeah i mean i i, I still love listening to axel f you know just and it yeah it's just music it's just synth, synth music and that's it and it works you know even after yeah. almost 40 years it works really well <laughs> what can i tell you it's still a great track still yes. a great track yeah yeah and then we get a shot of neil in the motel room and we see that he, there are two single beds in here. There yep. are, I love that they have these wagon wheel headboards. Classic. Yeah. And then there's a picture on the wall. Do you know who that picture is of? A velvet painting of what I'm assuming is Roy Orbison. That, that's what I found also. And, uh, yeah. you know, it shows the, the thematic look of this particular room, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen a velvet painting of a celebrity. I usually associate velvet paintings with like sad cats or caricature puppies or clowns or something like that. But uh, or Elvis. Oh, I'm sorry. No, there's like a billion velvet Elvis paintings. Yeah, probably. So aside aside from Elvis, I haven't uh, uh, seen too many celebrities. This is my first Roy Orbison velvet painting sighting. Yeah. In that uh, in this movie. Makes sense. So yeah, he was a big yeah, guy. yeah, and then it's great because Neil then looks at his arm to check the time. He has right. already forgotten. He has already forgotten that he no longer has a watch. You know, muscle memory. Oh yeah, dang it! It's two hairs, two hairs past a yeah. Well, the truth is, I do that too. When I'm not wearing a watch, I will still look at my arm where I normally yeah. have a watch on. So I, I can understand Always. that. And you know, for him, it it's a little more painful because it's a fifteen hundred dollar watch. But yeah. Yeah, and then he picks up the phone in order to try and make a call, 
and we see that the the phone is locked literally locked analog locked yeah. mm -hmm. yeah, right. yeah it reminds me of when i went to scotland my family there had a tv where you could put 10 pence into the side of the television and it gave you a half hour of tv Oh, wow, really? Yeah, like you put money into a parking meter or put money into a, a washing machine. They had that set up for their television because they were uh, renting their flat, I think, and it was a, a type of television service you could get. So you just had to put coins into the television to watch the television, which I thought was absolutely amazing. Like you can monetize anything. You can put money into the bed for the thousand-finger massages or whatever. But um, this, this literal lock on the phone I thought was pretty uh, pretty incredible almost like a like the car driving boot that you, that you can put on your uh, put on the wheel of a car to make yeah. it so that it's not going to drive right. nowhere you know or the right. club that you put into the, the steering wheel right when i think of, of putting money into a tv to, to watch something i always remember the movie uh, carbon copy with uh george siegel and uh denzel washington okay where it's, he's apparently his son and they're in a motel and they want to watch TV and need to get coins. That's what I remember of the movie. I haven't seen it in a few years. But I, I don't, really that, remember I don't think I've never seen that. I'm going to add that to the list. It, it wasn't that great. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, good to know. Good to know that. Yeah, you know, don't, 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 don't go in that you got a recommendation from me on that one. <laughs> okay, all right, cool. I won't hold you to that. Right. So there's, there's a little bit of a note on the phone, and it says, for local calls, dial 9. Yep. Okay. Now, do you know Always where that. where that originates from? Like, what's the uh, idea of why it's going? Why well, you have my, to dial nine? My assumption would be that, like, it's a party line of some kind. Like, I think there's one line that goes into the hotel that that's kind of a complicated mess, and then the, the the line is parsed out to all the different rooms. And so, when you dial nine, that puts you to like the outside correct and i think wow, that's you can't good. you can't die you can't dial nine by accident that's one of the reasons why the um you know like it would be better if the emergency number was 111 because that's quicker to dial on the rotary phones but it's 911 because it's really hard to dial nine yes. by accident so once you've dialed the nine then you can dial yeah. the rest so i think those are those are well two first of all you are very correct with with that that's okay, cool it's because in order to, to, to get out of the, the, the system, whether it's an office or, or a motel or whatever, they, they have all the lines connected because then you can have internal calls, but you need a way to get to the external calls. So they, that's why they, they chose nine. And part of that has to do with, as you said, because it's the hardest to get to on a rotary phone, at least. You know, now, nowadays. Yeah, and, zero, nowadays, and zeros, and zeros yeah. taken. <laughs> zero zero is already taken so nine, yeah now so nowadays it's not much uh different <laughs> no, no. it's weird how we got all these leftover you know leftover things that were created because of the limitations of the analog technology and the limitations are no longer there but the rules Correct. are still in place you know there's a there's a, a word for that for the type of pictogram that you see on your phone you'll see like a, an envelope yeah. for mail you know, and nobody uses you know, an envelope yeah. for email, right? And you, you just, nobody uses that anymore. You'll see like a, an old school phone for uh, the phone number. Yeah. And like nobody uses those old school phones anymore. So it's, it's interesting. 
I forget what the exact term is that, but it is like a, a the dated pictogram that we're still using for technology oh, that makes no sense. longer applies. It makes sense. So as yeah. Neil is trying to, to make his call, which he cannot do, right, to so the, the shot shifts and we get to see his wife, Susan, uh, turning over in bed and she looks to be deep in thought. So just, just to give right. you a little bit of uh, history, in the full script, there is a whole subplot that has been taken out where she thinks that he's cheating on her. Yeah. Throughout the entire right. thing. Every time that they have a conversation, in the movie, they have a few conversations, and the, the conversations don't always end on amicable uh, places, in amicable places, but in the original yeah. script, she hangs up on him furious every single time. Because she thinks oh, she thinks I'm that she, that he's making that. up this whole story about this guy named Dell and that he's with some woman the whole time. I tell you, I have seen, I have had my fill of squabbling couples in movies. I really, I'm out. <laughs> you know, if, if there's a, a running through line of uh, of just a married couple sniping at each other, I kind of check out. Yeah, no, so no, I'm, I'm glad they cut it, that. It, I guess uh, it doesn't it doesn't work as well. You know, I, I I like the fact that no. you know he's he's trying to get home to a loving family as opposed to yeah not wanting to I, not want because there there are points in it where he just says he doesn't really want to uh, go home because of because of all the arguments and stuff like that. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's too many ingredients in the soup. I think I, I like that it's just a, a Dell yeah. and Neil special. We don't Correct. need that. So the, the script has a, a few little discrepancies here. Uh, they have an extended conversation between Dell and the clerk. The clerk then says, to, "When when Dell the, the the clerk says to him, you need a room.' And Dell goes, "Yes, I do." And then he goes, "Your credit card is all burnt up too." <laughs> and then he says, "Well, I don't carry credit cards." <laughs> so then he goes, "Well, forty two dollars and no room service, no phone calls, no satellite TV." So then Dell says, "I don't have forty two dollars." And then the clerk says, "You got seventeen dollars and a good watch." And then he goes, I got two bucks in a Casio. And then the clerk says, good night. And the clerk steps away from the counter. And then Dell holds up his hat and says, I'll throw it in my hat. It's a beaut. Warm as, as, as all get out. Warm as all get out. I don't know what that really means. Warm. Oh, no, that's a, that's an old school expression. Okay. Warm as all get out. It's a, it's a, I think it's a... A middle middle America thing that it strikes me as mid Atlantic, something you'd hear Carrie uh -huh. Bradshaw say, you know, is well, this this suit is amazing okay. as all get out, you know, like it's a it's a strange right. and then, of the language. And then we have the clip turning off the lights, you know, stranding Dale in the dark. And ah. then we see Neil in the hotel room, and he's got the rotary dial phone that's locked, and he doesn't even. Uh, then he just screams "damn" and slams the the, the phone down. And doesn't know what he's doing, and that's right. how the, that's how the minute ends in the, the script. Uh, I will say this hotel room is <laughs> awfully brown. El Rancho with the wood paneling walls, and we got that drift the driftwood lamp, and you know a western theme in Illinois. Kind of is a, a bit of a no. Like that that seems you're going to get it everywhere. It doesn't really that make seems strange to me. Yeah. I All suppose, right, so I every so. Friday we have a segment called Weekend Candy, where my guests will give their top five John Candy films. So, But first of all, we've teased two days ago 
that Duncan is going to actually give us a uh, John Candy story also. Well, the cool thing, because you were talking in the last minute about the five and how there's been a ton of people on the five. Um, we are about to put a new person on our $5 bill up here in Canada. And there was a concerted, strong uh, push with um, uh, uh, signature lists, so yeah, signatures. <laughs> Petitions, petitions, petitions. <laughs> no, like, uh, petitions, petitions, right, yeah. So there was a, there was a big Canada-wide petition to make sure that John Candy was one of the candidates to get put on the bill because you need to be a Canadian by birth or naturalization, and you need to have demonstrated outstanding leadership achievement or distinction in any field, oh, wow. any field benefiting the people of Canada or the service of Canada. Uh, they they need to have been uh, dead for at least 25 years. No, uh, he doesn't fit that. He, oh, wait, he does. He's been 30. It's 28 years, right? Right. 28 years. And they cannot be. A, yeah, it's, it, it does. He, he just gets across the finish line on that one. And um, they need to not be a fictional character. So it won't be Dell. It won't be Dell. It, it won't be <laughs> Harry Crump. But uh, um, yeah, he's been because his death was in 94. Uh Yes, he'd be 28 at this point. So, you know, it, 28 years. It usually, he, he well, the, uh, not to bury the lead, but he didn't get, uh, he didn't make the list. Because it, oh, it sorry usually to goes to, you know, more, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say important people because they, they, they're not, like, it goes to arguably more deserving people, you know, like on the 10 recently. So the, we too bad they can't put, can't put Alex Trebek on there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, one day maybe, but we uh, we got uh, Viola Davis Desmond on our ten dollar bill recently, and um, in two thousand eighteen, she's a, a civil rights movement icon who, like Rosa Parks, wouldn't leave the the colored part of the movie theater uh, mm. and move to like the the or sorry no she she wouldn't leave the she wouldn't move to the you know the the, the colored right. part of the movie theater after she paid full price. And that started a, a movement, you know, so that's, that's a pretty big deal. That's pretty important. Um, that's a, you know, maybe more deserving than a movie star. Cause the, the, who knows, we don't get to choose. You get to vote and that's it. You know? Yeah. Well, the <laughs> candidates, the candidates currently are, uh, Francis Pegamagabo, Pegamagabo, sorry, uh, uh, indigenous, indigenous rights advocate, first world war hero, we got Frederick Ogilvy Loft, a.k.a. Anandeo. He founded the League of Indians Canada, the first national indigenous organization in Canada. Uh, we got Isipona, oh, sorry, Isipomakasaik, a.k.a. Crowfoot. He was a Sisica chief who negotiated with the federal government on behalf of the Blackfoot Confederacy back in 1877. Uh, Lada Lada Hishmanova, born in Prague, emigrated to Canada, but she founded the Unitarian Service Committee of Canada, helping the poorest, sick, and starving victims of war, natural disasters, and low-quality education save millions of lives. Uh, Pitsiolak Ashuna, an Inuit artist who passed away in 83, gave birth to 17 children, had an amazing artistic career over 25 years. Wow. Uh, Robertine Barry, a.k.a. Francoise, uh, she was the first female French-Canadian journalist and um, a, a relentless advocate for women's suffrage, shelters for the poor, and elderly and female victims of family violence. And then um, 
Juan Alexander Kamiao, uh, first baby of Chinese descent to be born in Canada, and he voted in 1890 and had his vote taken away because of a racist law on the books, and he challenged it and got it overturned, and uh, he voted again in 1949 at the age of 88. He's the only person to vote before and after the, those laws were taken away. And then number seven, I mean, sorry, the last one is oh, Terry okay. Fox. I don't know. Of course, I know. I know Terry, Terry Fox. Fox but I've seen the Terry Fox story. Yeah. <laughs> in 1983, yeah, so the very first HBO yeah. original movie. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, he, he died of cancer in 81 yeah. at the age of 22 yeah. while trying to run across Canada. And, you know, arguably, he's the only one on that list whose name I actually was familiar with before I read the nominees. Although the accomplishments of the other nominees are all incredible, like uniform. Wow. So um, I can see how in the face of that, John Candy... You know, like it, yeah. one of the qualifications being you have to have leadership achievement or distinction benefiting the people of Canada or in the service of Canada. That's kind of like, well, yeah. does that really fit? Like, yeah, I understand that. Because a lot of amazing people, they did more than just make some funny movies. But, you know, I think it would make everybody smile a little bit when they're handling the $5 bill and it has John Candy <laughs> on it. And I don't. I don't think that can be discounted. I think that would right. raise the spirits of the entire country across the board because we love John Candy, you know, so much here. Yeah. You know, and we call all our $1 coins loonies because they have a loon on them. Yeah. And we call our $2 coins toonies. And you want to be able to call your fives candies. We could have called our fives candies, you know, so I, uh, I'm sorry that he didn't make the cut. Yeah. Uh, I would, I would so like instead, to. Instead, we still have weekend candy. There you go. So you can now give us your top five John Candy movies. Yes, my top five John Candy movies. Uh, well, the first one's not a movie. It's just a role of his. And it was uh, the Dr. Tongue from uh, SCTV. There was um, Dr. Tongue's House of Horrors. And he was uh, this guy who would introduce the, the scary 3D movie. So it was like Dr. Tongue's House of Pancakes. And uh, or he was no, he was the character in the Dr. Tongue movies that Count Floyd would introduce. So he would always say, would you like some more pancakes? And then <laughs> thrust the pancakes towards the camera and then away from the camera and towards the camera and away from the camera while the music went. Doo, 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 doo. <laughs> that was all the 3D movies and all the all the stuff he did on on SCTV was just um, fantastic. There's a bit where he's a, a drummer for a punk band and Martin Short is the lead singer and they sing uh, a song called I hate the bloody queen. And uh, it's a fantastic little bit that he plays this stoic punk drummer. Okay. Great. Uh, number four, little shop of horrors. I often ca catch myself going, isn't it weird? As uh, he introduces the, the plant, <laughs> little shop of horrors. Um, three, plans, trains, and automobiles. He brought so much heart, and love like that that monologue that we get to I think later where he's I like me yeah. you know I like who I am that's no it. Just, we've had that already we've had beautiful beautiful yes. beautiful monologue you know after Steve Martin here's an interesting idea have a point when you tell a story yeah. you just pulling your string black 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 like he uh just lashes into uh into Dell and yeah. Dell has to say. You know, people like me. I like me. My wife loves me. I don't care what you think of me. It's just a beautiful, yes. beautiful scene. So, you know, it could have been more just tripping and stumbling and, and whatever. But, you know, John Candy really came across as somebody who had integrity, 
you know, mm-hmm. and completely. His his he, I, I wished he would have been around for longer. You know, with his with the size of him, and you know the work that his heart was doing to keep him going. And I think he liked cigars. And I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it's not surprising that he went when he did. But they would have liked a, a another decade or two of John Candy for sure. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad we got the impressive body of work that he did manage to put out while he was with us. Yeah. So you still got two more. Number two and number one. Spaceballs. Number two, Spaceballs. Love me some Spaceballs. That's a, a fantastic. Barf the dog is uh, just a beautiful role for him. It also really showcased his lovability. Yeah. Love that. And uh, number one, got to be Uncle Buck. I could I watched that movie over and over again. Love me some Uncle Buck. I know it's a it's a John Hughes joint, and it was already in the John Hughes list. But whenever uh, yeah John Hughes's path crosses with John Candy, you get absolute magic. That's true. Very true. All right, thank you for that. So every day we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track, where either myself or my guest will give a short little story about some sort of adventure, misadventure that one of us has had in our lifetime. So Duncan, you got a final story for us? Uh, well, I got I got a choice of of two. I got one that was kind of kind of funny. Well, I'll tell that one. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll 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 do them both. The first one is a Greyhound bus. We no longer have Greyhound buses in Canada. That uh, the corporation went under, which is too bad because it was a uh, it's a big country, much like the U.S. It's a big yeah. country, and there's a lot of small towns, and that was a cheap way to get from town to town. Um, and that doesn't exist anymore. So I, I really was hoping for our uh, government to nationalize the service, but it didn't go down that way. So one time we were in a Greyhound and I was traveling the the the, the route from Vancouver to Nelson, which I often did because the night bus was just a straight shot all the way through. And it was raining like crazy. And there was a hole in the roof of the bus and it was leaking down into the luggage rack and it was dripping down through a hole in the luggage rack onto me and I tried to cover it up with gum, <laughs> but then the gum like froze solid and would no longer adhere to the metal of the luggage rack. And so it fell off and it only happened every time the bus slowed down, the water would slosh forward and some of it would drip out of the hole onto my leg. And that was a, a long, cold wow. night of traveling on the Greyhound bus. <laughs> so that's, that's one right, of my, great. Uh, Thank one you of very much for that. So uh, I want to once again thank you for being on this entire week. Do you want to, for one final time, tell people how they can get in touch with you? Go to TorontoLogicallySpeaking.com. Go to the TimeBanditsMinute.com. Check out uh, By Duncan Shields on Twitter and um, Instagram. And go see, look for my book, Small Windows by Duncan Shields. And uh, get yourself a copy of that. Nice little bite-sized science fiction stories that you can read in small little chunks. So uh, that's a good book to pick up. Thank you. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatchers you may be using to listen to this show. And to find me, very simple, just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can go to our website. So, everyone, have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. But until then, you're fine. You're fine.